All right, guys. So we have David and Dana. Uh, they reached out to me through Instagram, and I'm so excited to have them as my first podcast guests. They're awesome. They have a great story, and I'm going to let them share a little bit about themselves. Well, thanks, Frank, for having us on. It's it's always a joy to share with um, folks out there, and we've got a fun story that you know some people are amazed by. Um, David was a former pastor and I was a paralegal and we retired from those positions. We were doing that back in Iowa about two and a half years ago and we retired to Mexico. Mm -hmm. And now our goal is to help 5,000 baby boomers to improve their financial status and make retirement possible by building their financial bridge to retirement. Um, mm -hmm. If you're not a baby boomer, we also help uh, people of any age to build online businesses. So we we do coaching in both of those realms. Mm -hmm. Yes, I like the story how you guys. Uh, the main thing I like when I was reading, I was like, okay, they're like looking at their timeline. They're like, we're gonna we've looked and we said we're gonna retire in this amount of time, and you were able to like drastically accelerate the time at which you retired. So it's kind of just interesting when I read that because that's. That's like the goal for any person that's like, oh, I'm working, but I work to retire. I'm not working to actually go to work, which sadly, there's a lot of people like that in this world. And I feel bad for them because work is a majority of your life. If you don't like it, uh, but because a lot of people feel that way, it's kind of cool. And I would like to touch on how you guys just like what magic switches you uh, changed or what you did to accelerate how fast you retired when you looked at the, the big scheme of things. Sure. Well, I'll tell you just a little bit of my story. Okay. Um, yeah. At age 28, I had two master's degrees and a PhD in biblical interpretation mm -hmm. and went to a small rural church in South Dakota. And I vividly recall riding with a friend on his tractor one day when he said to me, that was a really interesting sermon yesterday, Pastor. What mm -hmm. were you trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> So that was that's how things got started. But over the years, I uh, moved uh, from church, you know, to to bigger churches and was a senior pastor and then an executive pastor in a huge congregation, which was very exciting. And uh, until the senior pastor decided to implement a different staff model calling for someone with different gifts. So at age 58, I was downsized mm. and found out at that age, it was no longer so easy to get positions. They were looking for people that are much younger. Mm. And suddenly I found myself in a situation very familiar from 30 years earlier uh, in a small town again, serving a small congregation Although now with a full gamut of ministry skills, finally tuned for working with a large staff. Mm. So that was quite a shock to the system. Yeah, now you were a staff of one, you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh no, so it drastically changed. I, I, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I hung in there the next five years and I still enjoyed ministry, but it was getting more and more frustrating. Um, I especially enjoyed our annual meetings where I would uh sit, let out or set out my broad stroke plans and goals for the coming year and that was always my big role in the congregations that i served was strategic planning and the final year there 
I had to say after weeks of prayer and reflection, I just don't know where the Lord is leading us this year. Mm. And by now, this small declining church is stretched financially and can barely afford to pay me. And honestly, I felt tired, like I'd given about all I had to give. So one night, I took a careful look at our pension account and calculated Dana and I still needed to work another six to eight years before we could afford to retire. And deeply frustrated, I I went to tell Dana that news and added jokingly, unless we decide to do something radical like retire now and move to Mexico. Mm -hmm. I remember that night vividly, I do, because I knew the frustrations in the church. I knew that, you know, we've been praying for, you know, some sort of a direction, something, something for God to lead us to. And when David came to me that night, it was like, why not? That was my response. Why not? Let's do it. Of course, that led to lots more prayer and lots of investigation and putting everything on paper, getting organized. But uh, in less than a year, we were retired and living in our new country. Yes. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. And it's it's that like. I can tell by the way you're talking about it, it, you were so like amped up and stressed out about the situation that any plausible like move to another direction, you're like, let's just take it. And and then you made it happen after you saw this, uh, this you know, light bulb effect. You're like, you know what? That sounds like a good idea. Okay, wait, how do we do this? And then how did that work out? How did you, what were like the difficulties with that you found with moving and all the changes that occurred in that time period? Well, the biggest the biggest difficulties were not with us but mm. rather explaining it at, to friends and family who uh had a hard time thinking outside the box now i have to say two of our children mm-hmm. were excited they thought this was the best thing we'd ever done um mm-hmm. our but, cool meter just went up yeah <laughs> And what, one, of, one of those children that, that loved it um, had spent a year and a half in Africa. And some in Turkey and so. Oh, okay. And some in Haiti. To, yeah, used to living abroad. And, and the other one that liked it is now living in Japan. Right, so. <laughs> right. But the two that stayed in the Midwest at that time, at least, uh, wondered why we were leaving civilization. <laughs> <laughs> But we were, it was something that we realized that we could do, and mm-hmm. we felt finally that God was leading us towards something, and all the pieces fit together. You know, we started doing research, figuring out how to become an expat, how to move your stuff across the border, what stuff we should downsize, and we had a four-bedroom house. We, you know, weren't going to move all of that stuff abroad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to anyone else that decides to move abroad, we kept um way too much i would advise people to try to get rid of everything they own if they can or put a few things in storage take a handful of things with them but it would have been far easier to just get things new or make sense where we where we ended up than than to move it as much as we did mm-hmm. but anyway we made it happen we did yeah and no when we got definitely. here we realized too that you know we're not alone there are a lot of people out there struggling, um, not knowing how they're going to retire, when they're going to retire, if they're even ever going to be able to retire. And so that really lit a fire in us that, 
hey, we can help people. Um, they yeah. don't have to wait till they're in their 50s or 60s to have that awakening. People can start in their 20s and 30s and be able to retire much earlier, perhaps, or at least be prepared when the time comes. Yeah, we had done everything the traditional way of mm. trying to set aside 10 to 15 percent of our income every month for 35, 40 years. And that's supposed to lead you to a comfortable retirement. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't take into account some of the things that could happen, like being downsized. Or, you know, for a lot of people, just contemplating their job security in light of the economics of the of the time. Yeah. And the reality is that you might change jobs or your career might come to an end unexpectedly or earlier than they planned. So that's the point when we began to sense a new kind of calling to help others find a way of way to retire, not necessarily to move abroad like we had, but to bridge the financial divide between where they are now and where they expected to be at this point of life. Mm -hmm. And we firmly believe that people, that you can bridge the gap to an enjoyable, rewarding retirement. And over the last three years, Dana and I have been helping people with issues relating to retirement, transition, and especially building new income streams. Mm -hmm. And that ties in both to what things you're doing, which is the helping the people and then helping them build a business. Exactly. Nice. Um, I guess we can talk on that because that's kind of the interesting, that's the whole thing we're here for. Because what has your experience has been like? As, we'll do one at a time, but first, like the helping the people bridge that gap what have your experiences been like you know well, difficulties the ch some things that people bring up that kind of shocking what how far some people have gotten on their own type of things like that right well people are at all different stages mm -hmm. um some have some have put you know have had a decent salary and have put aside um a significant percentage over the years and they're well on their way and they don't have you know, a huge gap to, to bridge. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, you've got people that have maybe uh, mortgaged, put a second mortgage on their house to get their kids through school. And yeah. they really have, it's really like they're starting over in terms of savings. Mm -hmm. And the first thing we need to, to do with them is to find out what, how do they picture their ideal retirement? Uh, where mm -hmm. would they like to live? Um, will they be downsizing? Um, what criteria do they have for a new community? Or will they stay in their own home? Will they move to a, a rented home or a retirement community? Will they need to travel to see friends and family? Mm -hmm. And then are the dreams that they have. Are there new experiences that they dream of having? Are there travel destinations they dream of seeing? What will they do to, day to day? And we've got a, a, that's just the beginning of a long list of questions that we go through with people. And um, if anyone is interested in that, we'll be happy to send you a PDF copy of those the questions. Mm -hmm. But then we need to think it through of, okay, what would that in the ideal retirement cost? Mm -hmm. And then review their current financial reality and determine what the gap is between 
what they, uh, the lifestyle that they desire and what their current financial assets will support. Mm -hmm. No, I like that. That's like uh, kind of like boiling it down. It's like, what are your needs and what are your wants? And it's like how, like talking about it kind of airs it out. It's like, well, what do you really need? And then how can we lower your, make an appropriate level of needs? Like, you know, what do you really, what size house do you want? It's like, if you want to go abroad for a year and go to like, you'll know, visit all the countries. Okay. So maybe you should downsize your house so you can afford to do that crazy vacation that later in the, in the road. So like the needs, That's I feel like people's needs are a little bit too higher than they actually, people's needs are actually their wants. I don't think people need what they have most of the time. Right. They can work on either or both ends of the spectrum. They can reduce their uh, wants somewhat or, and what we tend to focus on is how can we provide uh, another income stream that will help you to afford the lifestyle you're dreaming the, about. Yeah. Exactly. No, I, I like that. You're going at it at both angles. Like, let's make your make you like a business, make you uh, more efficient, lean, and then let's see if we can add some more money to your bottom line. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. How has been the building the businesses experience going? Like, um, as far as helping people, what have you accomplished so far? What have been some of the difficulties with, you know, starting up someone else's business? It's kind of different when you're you're helping other people. It's like you have to help. It's not you that, you know, you work hard. You have to rely on them to do the work. So it's a little bit different. You might give them the advice, like they say, you you can't make force someone to drink water. You have to, you lead them there, but it's up to them for them to do it. That's exactly the case. That has been the biggest struggle. You know, mm -hmm. we, we've invested in our own, you know, education and learning. You know, what does a pastor and a paralegal know about running a business? So we've invested a lot of time and money in, in learning a new, a new trade, a new a thing to do with our life, a new way to serve. But when we're working with other people, trying to show them the same thing, first it's important to have a system that they can plug into. And, and we are working with a really awesome, uh, awesome system there. So that's, that's already taken care of, but it's getting them to execute. Like you had said, I mean, you can, you can take a show a horse where the water is, but you can't make them drink. Mm -hmm. So, you know, getting the people fired up and encouraged and empowered to know that they can do this. That's, that's been the biggest challenge. Well, what, that's one of the challenges is getting them to do the work. The other challenge, however, is getting them to take the right steps in the right order. Exactly. There are uh. things that are exciting that people tend to gravitate towards. And those aren't necessarily the first or foundational steps. And sometimes people uh, sort of take off uh, doing what they think is right. And we have to sort of rein them back and say, yeah, but there's some basic foundational things we need to have in place before you get there. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand that. I always like, I always love talking about like anytime I have any difficulty explaining a process of like how like it's going to be easier when you get there at the end of the, you know, the same thing, the foundation, I always relate it back to like the physical fitness you're in. Cause like the twofold, the, the food you eat and the workouts you do and people get all excited, especially I would say guys, when I talk to them, they're all like, Oh, they want to lift the heavy weight. And when they're lifting up that heavy weight, you're not going to start off lifting 300 pounds. Cause it looks, it's, it's just cause it looks fun. You don't start there. You have to start at the eating correctly and, you know, doing a little bit over time to get to that point. And I always found that, 
when you when I talk about like oh physical fitness, everyone can relate because they're all we all live in we're all humans. We all focus on what we look like, or at least look in the mirror when we wake up in the morning. Like oh okay, I gained a couple of pounds, but people kind of well, skip the certain yeah. steps that, and then they can say yeah, I ate I ate an ice cream jug after going to work to work out. That's why <laughs> I have no I have no you know improvement. That's an excellent example. And you spend all that time at the beginning that just isn't very sexy talking mm -hmm. about correct form. And good point. I don't exactly. want you to lift anything heavy until we get you're until forward. we know you're doing it right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's it's exactly. I feel like they're the both the examples are perfect like perfect for each other because that's the it's the same way I feel that people are doing this stuff for you. They're like, I want to go to step fifteen, but it's like you can't. You can. And most people will never succeed if you go right to step 15 and you can go and you can come back later and we'll restart from step one. But you need, there's a reason we have a, it's laid out like this. It's not just for, um, cause we're, you know, for whatever reason it's, there's an actual, you know, process. Another issue that we need to deal with is that often people get to this point and they've got something of a negative mindset. Uh, they see the world as a really risky place filled with scarce resources. And um, so we need to spend some time working on, on their mindset and get them to envision other possibilities first. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think of Michael Hyatt, who is an extremely successful guy, but he tells of his own struggle with feeling he could barely make enough meat money to meet his family's needs until mm. he learned to replace that um, with this liberating truth. He said, I have all the money I need to meet our obligations, accomplish our goals, and be generous with others. And he said he had to spend weeks just leaning into that truth to get to the point that he was open to the possibilities there. Mm -hmm. And when I first uh, was thinking about retirement, I, I had that idea of retirement is, you know, when you're past your prime and you're put out to pasture. And hmm. I had to sort of rearrange my own mindset to realize, hey, I've just reached the peak of my career. I have a wealth of experience, skills, and wisdom. Now what am I going to do with it? I'm not no, just going to set it aside. No, definitely not. And... I, I was reminded that Moses didn't start his grand mission till he was 80, and Colonel Sanders hadn't even dreamed of KFC when he was my age. <laughs> that's it. Exactly. That's a great point. And that's back then. I mean, KFC is more recent, but the other one was Moses was back then, which is uh, it leans into my other question, which is about how like the lab. First of all, I 100% agree that the pr people's prime, or like let's say the putting them out to pasture, is significantly older than it ever used to. it's the oldest it's ever been since the time of human history like you can do more at 80 than you could you could do at 80 20, 200 years ago so the right. your prime is actually i agree you're, you're just hitting your prime which is weird to think about when i'm talking to 20 and 30 year olds they're like your prime and it's actually true because the the knowledge you have is now hitting like you know you've accumulated all this knowledge so now and you have the energy to do it and to be honest i'm not saying you're more patient but you've learned the tricks of the game of this world so at around 50 to 60 you can if you have the energy to do it and the willpower to do it you're like 
at, like you said, at your prime, you're ready to go. But well, I was, and, and mm-hmm. honestly, I've learned things in the last year that I can look back and say, if I'd known that in my 40s mm-hmm. or whatever, um, no, I know, yeah, I could have done so much better. But I didn't know it then, and I yeah. did the best I could with what I had. No, exactly. Yeah, that's why it's always good to pass down the knowledge, and that's why we appreciate what you're doing because you're saying I got all this wealth of knowledge. Yes, I can help myself, and I've done it. I've proved it. I've helped myself, but now it's time to help others. And exactly. anyone that has a brain would realize you're just you guys are about double my age. So it's impossible for me not to learn something from you. That's like it's literally impossible. So that's the good thing. Just talking to you now, I'm learning things, and I can't imagine spending hours on the phone and you can you know doing consultations with me. How much I would really learn. But another interesting question I had is that because of this average lifespan, people are living longer and longer. Their primes are getting pushed further and further into life. How did you like calculate how much money you would need to retire? Let's say if you lived another 40 years after retirement, people don't really think that, oh, I'm 60. I'm going to live to like 80. But what happens if you live to 100? How do you like appropriately plan if you lived another 20 years longer than you thought you would? That's hard to do because of the economic reality of our time. We don't know. Uh, there's so many things we don't know. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people look ahead at the future and are filled with fear about, you know, an economic collapse or something that, and all we can say is we don't know what, what will yeah. happen. There could be those things out there. Now, a generation ago, it was pretty easy for people to look ahead and say, uh, first of all, in retirement, you probably won't need as much money as you did earlier or during your working life. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not necessarily true anymore. When people start thinking about, well, when I retire, I can start taking some trips and, you know, going all these places that I've been dreaming of you might end up spending more than you did during your working life. So that's Mm. one of the reasons why you have to figure out what standard of living do you intend to live at. Mm -hmm. And then again, a generation ago, they would say, if you calculate what you need in retirement um, and multiply that by 25, that was a good rule of thumb that was used for a long, long time for people. If you have 20, 25 times the income you want to uh, live on in retirement, then e- each year after you retire, you can just withdraw 4% and assume that it will continue growing and you'll always have that factor for 4% inflation every year and you'll mm-hmm. have all that you need. Yeah. But again, that's not necessarily the case anymore, partly because we live longer but also because um, the economy seems to be more volatile than it's been. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that's one of the reasons why we suggest having a second, maybe a third or fourth stream of income in addition to whatever investments you have. Mm -hmm. Instead of just having this assumption, we'll invest, invest, invest. And then when we hit a certain age, we stop and it's all over and we just let the money work for us. Now, again, that that still works if you've got enough money out there working for you. Yes. But if you built up some other streams of income that you can depend on, whether it's an online business or 
uh, physical real estate that you've got rent coming in from. You know, having some kind of other income streams in addition is a prudent way to plan. No, I agree. I mean, it's it's just like a a double, like a I don't know how to put it in words, but if you do both, you're like you're set because now you're you have the good amount of savings, you have money coming in from that when you take off a little bit every every year, and then now you're also making money. And it's funny to think that people, when you say you're older, oh, you actually have more time. People think, oh, I have less time and I'm older. But if you're retired, you have actually more time than you did before when you're working. So you actually have 20, 30 hours a week to easily allocate to, let's say, this side business or online business. And hopefully you can do something you like. Otherwise, don't even, I wouldn't recommend going to do something in the last 40 years of your life that you hate. But find something that you you know you're passionate about you've built up for, you've been alive for 50 60 years it must be something you like and with this new age of the internet you can really capitalize on almost anything it just hopefully yeah. you're knowledgeable about it and and enjoy it after we after we get people to figure out what standard of living they want and what they have now and what the gap is the next step we take is having them list out their work experience, their gifts, their hobbies, their interests, their passions, mm -hmm. and try to think through, okay, of the things that you love doing, how can we monetize that? Yeah. Especially if they can solve a specific problem for someone or some business, they can usually make way more money doing that for someone than just by selling their time. Mm. It's a good point. I like the way you said that, selling your time. Yeah. Well, no, anytime true. you're getting paid by the hour or even your a salary, you're essentially selling your time. Yeah. And whereas, for example, if I said I can build a, a website for you for X dollars or I can build a deck for you, you know, those are projects that you can get a certain amount of money from. And it, it may be, um, you know, far more than just what you'd get working by the hour. Yeah. No, I agree. I'm curious about, so for those, because uh, you did exactly what is like prescribed as far as, especially back in the day, they say, do this and you will retire, no problem. So you did the 10 to 15%, but where did you, if you don't mind me asking, put your money for those 10, you know, for those 30 years that you did what any normal person would say that should work, you know? Right. So where did you end up, like as far as, was it a savings account? Uh, you know, stock market account, bonds, gold. Right, right. Okay, uh, a couple things there. One is that if we had continued working till age 68 or 70, mm -hmm. we would have had enough to okay. retire doing it that way. It, it would have worked. Okay. On the other hand, um, well, in our case, we had reasons to retire earlier than that. Understood, yeah. As far as where to put the money, um, we're not financial analysts and I don't want to give that kind of advice. Of we course. found an, an excellent uh, financial planner that we trusted and, and worked with him. And okay. I would advise people to go out and look for a certified financial planner. And if you want to get real particular, I'd suggest finding one that charges a, a specific fee for their for their hours that they work with you. I totally agree with that. The fee-based one is because they don't have 
they're not making money on getting you to make trades, for example. I totally, I totally agree with that. I, I'm happy you brought that up. I've been thinking more, more about that. Like, especially when it comes to fitness, you don't pay your trainer by like a percentage of the, you know, how much you improve. Like, I don't give him one percent of my muscle. He helped me grow. So why yeah. am I giving? And like, the guy would be huge if he took every all of his trainers, I mean, uh, trainees, and he got one percent of their their muscle. So I pay him hourly, and he gives me a service, and that's great. And he's uh, whatever price he sets, I'm, I'll choose if I want to pay. But this one percent thing, I totally agree. People don't realize. I read Tony Robbins' book, and he explained it very clearly. The one percent isn't just one percent. Like, yeah, they say it's one percent, but over time, they're actually taking away a lot more of, because it takes away the compounding effect and all the money you had this year to help you make money next year. But because they take away that one percent, they're really like cutting your legs out underneath you. And they, I'm not saying they do it intentionally or whatever, but that's the the outcome. So if you invest with them for 40 years and they're taking away what seems like a small amount, it actually affects how much money you end up with, which, right. so I agree a billion percent. I love that, that model for sure. That's great advice in my opinion. And that's what I'm looking for too. Cause I would love for someone to, that's a professional just be like, I pay him $300. He, it's almost like a health checkup with a doctor. I just, exactly. am, I doing, am I doing everything? Okay. Yes. Thank you. And then I go back on my way. That's right. a good advice. Yeah. Right. I agree it's, with that. It's worth, paying, it's worth paying an expert. You know, it's like when you do go to the doctor, you don't, you know, you can't self-medicate. You can't operate on yourself. You pay mm -hmm. to have the expert take care of you so you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, totally agree. So then what would be like, because most of my audience is a little bit younger, which I know you said you can, all ranges you're good for. What are some like, I know in general advice that you things you should do when you're young to help you out, you know, getting started either on early retirement or maybe one advice could be, hey, start this this side hustle now because you have so much time to build it up. By the time you are 50 or 60, my God, it could be running like who knows? I mean, because you have the time to put in. But what like advice would, would you be, say for some young adults? That would be our primary advice, I think, for young adults is to start that side hustle early and mm -hmm. get some good advice on how to build that into a profitable business. Mm -hmm. There's lots of people that do a lot of work on the side, but don't necessarily build a, a profitable long-term business. And we would love to work with people. If they're young in their career, we'll set our retirement product project aside for the moment and just say, let's help you build a profitable business that you know, in a few years, it may be that you're making so much money, you can't afford to spend time going to a job anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds, that's ideal. Yeah, that's the goal for sure. Right. Yeah. No, I, I this new day and age of uh, the internet, it's more and more people are doing, finding that they can make money on their own time. And, and at a certain point, it could build up to be that they're making more, almost double that they were making as far as selling their time. To someone else exactly so it's definitely and that's why people are having trouble hiring we have a lot especially at the lower wages i'm i'm new to the job market and i've i've experienced that i can get a job easily if i'm looking for min, not minimum wage but like pretty average hourly pay and it's because they have trouble getting those people in because people are finding alternatives like this oh yeah so I, there's there's lots of people your age that are 
well, maybe a little bit younger that are finishing college or maybe even finishing a master's degree and then getting out and finding out that they've got to flip burgers for a while till they find something that, you know, better mm -hmm. for them because the job market is, is just that tight. Yeah. So then, so that, that in itself is, uh, that's like the the biggest scam of our uh, of my generation of my like my time being alive so far. That's been that number that they raised it to. In my opinion, has been a, like the cost the value per cost ratio is totally disproportionate. Like it's not it makes no sense anymore. Well, and then the decision in the seventies to make those student loans non forgivable. Oh, that's see, that's a good point. See, I wasn't even around then. That that's scary too. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you if you file bankruptcy, you don't have to repay your mortgage, but you still have to repay your student debt. Yeah, no. Yeah, that's scary. See, but back then they can get away with it because in the 70s, college wasn't so expensive that people were like, well, that sounds crazy. Like, yeah, what is a couple thousand dollars? They can afford it. You know, well, let's make it. Yeah, it makes sense. Education is important. It was an easy agenda to push across the table. But now that college has gotten to the price that it's it's actually crazy, in my opinion. I think uh, mm -hmm. most people would agree college is too expensive and most people aren't even going to college. And it's a tough decision in life, especially if you're a high schooler. You're like, hmm. First off, if you're paying yourself, uh, God bless, try to find the most appropriate, uh, you know, beneficial college that, you know, gives you a good education, but isn't costing you $50,000 a year. Because I'm sorry, if you come out of college with $200,000 in debt, unless you're making, even if you're making $100,000 a year, Good luck. I know it's and you'll you have to you know bootstraps a little bit, but most people aren't making a hundred thousand dollars coming out of college. The average person is probably making forty or fifty, and with taxes, and then you living your life is going to take you thirty years to actually pay off that thing. And then good luck trying to save if you have kids and you have to build a college fund. Like, I think the math, yeah, the math doesn't add up, and that's what people are. It was okay twenty years ago. Now it's just like the price has gotten a little too high. For my liking and i went through it i mean i'm already out but i would never recommend anybody take out three hundred thousand dollars in debt for four years of college because it just it's not it doesn't make any sense that's why like the community colleges are good and even those are getting kind of kind of expensive but nothing crazy but and online colleges i'm shocked they keep i keep getting uh like you know tv commercials all these ads for online education which i think is the right way to go because it's affordable and if you get a college degree and that that most expensive piece of paper you ever wave in your, your hold in your life, it's sad because now everyone has it or most so many people have it that it doesn't mean as much as it used to. And then now people have to go to higher education past that, which is good luck if you're already in $200,000 in debt and take out more debt right. to go to, to a higher education and then come out to a job market that they're like, we'll pay you 60. You're like, 60? Wait. <laughs> I just spent $400,000 to get here. What are you talking about? Yeah, I'd love for people all to be able to get a higher education, but the price that they have to pay for it today is outrageous. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you talk, when you think about getting out of college with that huge debt, it, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's just not, it's not, I don't know why America would do that to people. It just doesn't psychologically put you in the best frame of mind 
I don't know. There's a lot of stresses in life, and I think financial stress might be the top two or three as far as how how bad they could be and how they affect your whole life. Some people are good and they just say, forget it, I'm in debt, and they don't care and they just continue to build up the debt. But most people don't forget that they have a big pile of debt they have to pay, and it affects every decision you make. And it's just not fun to say, do I want do I want to buy this cheeseburger? I kind of hungry, but like I have a debt. Like and and it's little things like that that add up, and you're like, I'm not gonna not eat. But you have so much debt, and it's just not—it's not fun to start off your your career like that. If you're 50 and you have debt, that's up—that's on you. But you're getting into the job force and you're coming out with literally a huge backpack of debt. That's not—that's not the right way to send someone off into the world, in my opinion. Exactly. So we would love to work with any of your listeners. Mm-hmm. We'd love to, especially just to talk with you to find out if what we have is is. Fit, really fits for you. Absolutely, yeah. If they'd like to work with us, maybe one of the easiest ways is to go to http colon backslash backslash calendly.com slash Dana hyphen D-N-D. So that's awesome. calendly.com slash Dana hyphen D-N-D. And that way we can talk with them directly and um, decide whether, together with them, whether what we have to offer would really fit for them. Absolutely. And if anyone has any questions about that, you can always, if you, let's say you, you're on the road driving, you couldn't write that down, just reach out to me and I will pass along that link so then you can set up a, an appointment with them because they're great, they're, they're efficient, they get back to you. That's my, been my favorite experience with you guys, that you guys are on top of your, your stuff. Well, thanks so much. We've enjoyed talking with you. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you for being my first guest on the show. That's that's uh, This will be a memorable one. That's quite an honor. Thank it's you. It's been fun. Yes, we thank you so it. much, guys. Enjoy. I know it's over here. It's um, Memorial Day weekend. I, I don't know if you celebrate that over there, but enjoy any of the nice you know festivities you have going on this weekend. Sounds wonderful. You have a blessed day. Thank you. You too. Take care.